0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at FUMCBentonville.org or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok.
1: A reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Hear now these words. Judges. Then the Israelites did things that the Lord saw as evil. They served the Baals and they went away from the Lord, their ancestors God, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the surrounding peoples. They worshiped them and angered the Lord. They went away from the Lord and served Baal and the Astartes. So the Lord became angry with Israel and he handed them over to raiders who plundered them. He let them be defeated by their enemies around them so that they were no longer able to stand up to them. Whenever the Israelites marched out, the Lord's power worked against them, just as the Lord had warned them, and they were very distressed. Then the Lord raised up leaders to rescue them from the power of these raiders. But they wouldn't even obey their own leaders because they were unfaithful, following other gods and worshiping them. They quickly deviated from the way of their ancestors who had obeyed the Lord's commands and didn't follow their example. The Lord was moved by Israel's groaning under those who oppressed and crushed them. So the Lord would raise up leaders for them, and the Lord would be with the leader, and he would rescue Israel from the power of their enemies as long as the leader lived. But then when the leader died, they would once again act in ways that weren't as good as their ancestors, going after other gods to serve them and to worship them. They wouldn't drop their bad practices or hard-headed ways. So the Lord became angry with Israel and said, Because this nation has violated my covenant that I required of their ancestors and hasn't obeyed me, I, in turn, will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died. As a test for Israel to see whether they would carefully walk in the Lord's ways just as their ancestors had done, the Lord left these nations instead of driving them out immediately We're handing them over to Joshua. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So I have here before me a bottle of milk and a little bit of a sandwich. And it's not because I didn't get enough to eat at the chili supper. It was wonderful. It was great. It was fabulous. Um, But for me, these two things represent an, an interesting lesson in my own life. When I pick up milk, I shake it. It's just, if I set it down, I'll pick it up. My hand immediately shakes it. Immediately. If I am eating a sandwich... And it does not matter how big the sandwich is. It's not a terribly big sandwich. If it was half of this size and I was starving, I would leave the last bite of the sandwich. It is practically impossible for me to eat the last bite of any sandwich in any scenario. Now... No one taught me these lessons. Well, I should say, no one sat me down and said, when you pick up a bottle of milk, you should always shake it. And when you're eating a sandwich, you should always leave the last bite. However, my father, when he would open the refrigerator and pull out the carton of milk, he would shake it. Now, why did he do that? You grew up on a farm. They had dairy cows. They had fresh milk. And if you didn't shake it, the cream had separated out. So you had to shake it to get everything back together. Never mind the entire time that I've known my father. We didn't, he did not live on a farm. We did not have cows. We had pasteurized milk, and yet <laughs> we shook our milk. My mom, on the other hand, when she was 10 years old, that had been 1959, Oh, I gave away my mom's age. Sorry, Mom. Um, (laughs) When she was 10 years old, she had a dog named Tippy. Now, they could not really afford a dog. So, my mom always saved the last bite of her sandwich for Tippy. Tippy died when my mom was 10 years old, probably because you can't live on one bite of sandwich, right? (laughs) But she had gotten in the habit of leaving the last bite of her sandwich. And she did that into adulthood. And so do I. That dog has eaten last bites of sandwiches for decades. Now, this is the process of learning referred to as observational learning. Observational learning which we see also illustrated, some of you have probably heard that old story of the woman who was preparing a ham and she cut off the ends of the ham. And then she realized, why am I cutting off the ends of the ham? So she, she thought, well, my mom always did. I'll call mom to find out why. So she calls her mom, says, mom, why, am I cutting off the ends of the ham? And she said, I don't know. My mom always did it. Let's call your grandma. So they called grandma. And grandma said, I don't know. My mom always did it. Let's call great-grandma. So they called great-grandma, and she said, that was the size of my pan. (laughs) Right? Um, And so the, the lesson had outlived its meaning. We didn't have dairy cows. Tippy's not alive anymore. But the habit was still there because when children watch their parents, even when you don't say anything to them, even when you don't name this something you should or should not do, when children watch their parents, they pick up their parents' habits. Kids, I want you to start paying attention to things that you do and think, huh, that's kind of odd that I do that. Then watch your parents and see if they do it too. I'm sorry I just cursed all the parents. But um, see if they do it too. And then ask them why. There may be a great story about a dog that died in 1959. But that's called observational learning. And it's the process of learning by watching the behaviors of others. And there's a pattern to that. It's, It's watch, memorize, mimic. Watch, memorize, mimic. And it is a good beautiful thing about how we and really animals do it too how we learn to survive there are many things that our parents do not have to explicitly pass down to us that we just learn to do because we watch what they do including language right we hear it spoken around us we learn to mimic it and it allows us as a species as a people to survive And it also is how we pass down culture. It's also how we pass down values. It's also how we pass down beliefs, how we live those things out. Children pick up by watching, memorizing, and mimicking. Now the trick is that those habits are incredibly difficult to break. I know, from when I was a senior in high school and I said to my mom, it's weird, I've never been able to eat the last bite of my sandwich and it occurred to her what was happening. She said, this is what's going on. I know I'm saving that sandwich for a dog that is no longer with us. I (laughs) still, I still, I feel physically ill at the idea of eating the last bite of a sandwich. It feels wrong to me. I know this milk is pasteurized. It's not separating out into cream. And yet, my body grabs milk and shakes it without even thinking about it, even though I know there's no real purpose for it. Those habits become ingrained in our reality, and they become patterns that generation after generation after generation repeats. That's what we're seeing here in the judges. Now, I I admit, they're sort of idealistically characterizing the previous generation. We we in here are reading through the Bible. We read Exodus. Those people whined and complained and made golden calves and did all the breaking of the rules that the people and the judges are still struggling with because those patterns were there. And maybe they're getting more and more unhealthy as each generation goes. But we have this pattern of they disobey God, they go after other gods, um, they suffer the consequences of that, have to return, God brings them back, then they go after other gods. It's just, and as we read Judges, that's what's going to happen all the way through the book all the way through the book. Now, I will also admit that some of the ways that these stories are recounted in Judges and in other parts of the Bible, honestly uncomfortable to think about in light of how I understand God as a God of love and forgiveness and grace. But I do also understand God as a God who loves us enough to give us free will and will allow us to choose and will allow us to make decisions that are not good And as a result of that, there are often consequences to that reality. Consequences that we might have to face, but the reality that we're all in this culture together (laughs) means that sometimes it's not choices that we make, but we still feel the effects. We still suffer the realities of those consequences. Now, I want to hearken back to the Ten Commandments. I want to bring up something about the Ten Commandments that has always bothered me, but I have reflected about this reality of God and my understanding of human nature. And there is this part of the do not make an idol for yourself passage that says, I punish children for their parents' sins, even to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But I am loyal and gracious to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. That sounds unfair and unjust, And not like the God that I worship. If we really understand it as God directly punishing us. And I think some of the writers of the Bible would have understood it that way. But I think instead, what I like to see in it is an announcement of reality. If you start a harmful pattern, it will take generations to break that pattern. You are not simply impacting your life. You are impacting the lives of your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and so on. But also within that, those words in the Ten Commandments are the promises that for those that love God, there is blessing to the thousandth generation. So by the flip side, when we create good habits, when we create a culture of faith a culture of hope a culture of love our children see that too we pass that down to them and then hope and faith and love grows and becomes stronger and stronger and stronger with each generation and honestly that is what god was inviting people into when god gave them the 10 commandments you can see the Ten Commandments as divided up into how to love God and how to love neighbor. And that's what God is inviting us into is that different culture. And God knows it's hard. When God gave them the Sabbath right on the other side of the crossing of the Red Sea. Day off. We've talked about that. First thing God gives a bunch of slaves, a day off. And they can't get it. Because they had generations of no day off. And God keeps reminding them, you need to take a Sabbath. God keeps not having manna drop from heaven on that day. And they keep going, (laughs) and God keeps saying, take a break. Take a break. We still don't have that one down either. So, you know, here we are, generations and generations later. I want us to remember that Lent is a continuation of that invitation. And what it is, is inviting us to take this season and break a habit or start a habit. One that is faithful. One that prolongs your life. One that prolongs the lives of the generations that are watching you. It's 40 days to build or break a habit And they have done studies, and there are all kinds of studies, and you can't actually say it takes this many days to start a habit and this many days to break a habit. But roughly, they think it takes about two months. Huh. Interesting. (laughs) We have about two months to make or break a habit here. And let's remember that it's not just going to impact us in these 40 days. If it becomes a way of life, and then our children see that way of life, they model that way of life and then their children see that way of life and model that way of life and their children see that way of life and model that way of life it goes on and on and on to the thousandth generation so see these 40 days these 40 days that jesus took in the wilderness To break the habit or hold to the habit that he wouldn't be tempted by the power and wickedness of the world, but would stay focused on God's love. See these 40 days as an invitation into that culture. As an invitation into that way of life. And as a gift to the generations yet to come.
0: Thanks for listening to the Sermon Podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at FUMC Bentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, Gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.